0: Please stop by the Connection Center after the service. If today is your first time with us, welcome. We are so glad you're here. If you have any questions or need any information, please swing by the Connection Center in the hallway after the service. There you will find friendly people and a delicious gift waiting for you. Here at Overlake, there are many opportunities to serve and to get involved. If you'd like more information about any of the various ministries, from Kidtown Children's Ministry, Student Ministries, to behind the scenes on a Sunday morning, then note that in the connection card in your handout, and we will make sure to get you all the information you need. Thanks so much for being here today. We believe the church is more than just a building to gather in on a Sunday but a family that can come together to worship the God who loves us and then head out in our community to share his love with others. We hope you have a great experience at Overlake this morning. God bless you.
1: Good morning, Overlake. Let's stand and worship Jesus this morning. I spoke a word
2: You were singing over me
1: this morning and dance around a little bit. Even in the way back. He is worthy of our praise this morning. grateful we are so grateful and I just believe that every single one of us this morning has come in with a story has come in with a week full of different experiences full of ups and downs and this morning God we come and we bring it all before you and no matter what our week has looked like our response is the same that we will praise you that we will sing, that we will dance, that we will raise our voices, no matter what it has looked like yesterday, no matter what tomorrow will look like. This is our response. This is the place we wanna stand, a posture of surrender, a posture of you first, Jesus. You and nothing else, Jesus and nothing else. We love you, God. Thank you, Jesus, amen, amen. It is so good to be with you guys this morning. We're in week two of our 10 a.m. service and I love being together. I love that we're all in one service together. It's powerful when we come together and worship and so I'm so excited to be here with you. My name is Kara, Um, I'm one of the pastors on the team here and so I, I am thrilled that we get to be together this morning, this is my favorite in the summertime to worship together. Um, And we just want to stay connected. Um, Whether you are gonna be on vacation or you have different plans going on, we just wanna stay connected to you and up to date with what's happening. And so if you call Overlake, your home, you're familiar with this connection card. It was in your handout when you came in. This is our best way to stay connected with you, to pray for you. Um, maybe you've seen there's a spot where we actually ask, let us know what's going on, what God's doing in your life, because we want to um, celebrate with you too. There's some prayer and there's some celebration that happens together in family. So would you do that today? Would you mark on this card? And then if you um, are a regular tender here, you know to pop that in the buckets as they're passed later on this morning. But if this is your very first time, I want to be the first to welcome you here. And what I want you to do is fill this out and then hold on to it. Hang on to this, and then when we exit today, just right outside these doors, there's a connection center, and I'm going to be there, and I would love to meet you and get that card from you and actually exchange it for a gift, just our way of saying thank you for checking us out and worshiping with us this morning. So, this is what we're going to do now. You're all standing. You all look amazing. We're all super happy to be here. Um, So, we're just going to do this. Would you turn to one another? Um, We're going to put the timer on the clock, and would you ask each other um, this question, how? was your 4th of July. What did you guys do? Go ahead.
3: Uh, good morning, good morning, Overlake. Good to see you. Good to see you. I'm Pat. I'm one of the pastors on the team here. We we are in week two, week two of our summer series. We're just going to march through the Book of Acts. Won't won't get all the way through, but we're we're going to get close. We're gonna get, we're going to keep working our way through Acts, which means we're in Acts chapter two this week. Uh, but before we get there, I just want to reminisce just a little bit. And by reminisce, I mean just three days ago. Uh, Fourth of July, right? We had Fourth of July just a few days ago, and, uh, and and so there's fireworks going off. There's like there's there's coolers loaded with beverages. There's picnic tables full. Everyone's wearing red, white, and blue. Even even dogs are are, are, are dressed up for the occasion, uh, and and it's all because of this. We're all reminded of a democracy that started 243 years ago. We're we're, we're reminded of the birth of something. Well, the chapter we're looking at today is also the birth of something. Something's been around way longer than 243 years. Something that's stood the test of time. Something that is alive and well. It's the birth of the church. So look around, everybody. Look around in this moment. Look around in this room. Guys, you're a part of something that's 2,000 years old. Tell the person next to you, tell tell them, you look pretty good for being 2,000 years old. (laughs) 2,000 years old, we're going to look at the birth of not a country, but of a new community, of a new humanity that God has in mind for this world. And so that's what we get to discover together. Uh, What I'd love to encourage you is to follow along. It can be in those notes that were loaded in the handouts. Uh, or it could be even just grab the Bible in the seat back in front of you, and you can follow along in there. If you don't yet have a Bible, that is our gift to you. You can just leave with that, and that is, that is uh, our gift to you. Um, but we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. And what, I, what I'd like to do, I'd like to take just, just a brief moment here and at least just get us all caught up to make sure we're all on the same page as to what's going on, where we're about to take off in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And so you you got to know this that when we pick it up, 50 days prior to the event we're about to read together, 50 days prior, exactly, and and I'll tell you how we know it's 50 days prior in a minute, but 50 days prior was a huge festival, was a huge Jewish festival called Passover. And what happened on this particular Passover was that Jesus was killed, was murdered on a Roman cross, on an instrument of torture. He is killed. And... He is literally dead. He dies. This is on a Friday. He dies. Three days later, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the very first Easter Sunday, that same man who was dead is resurrected, is alive. He walks out of a grave. And this is not an allegory. This is not. Christians believe this is a historical event, that he really died and he really rose again. And he dies so that death dies in him. And this is the good news. That the life that he lives, he gives to those who would believe in him. And so, this happens... About 50 days ago is is when he was killed, resurrected on Easter Sunday. And for the next 40 days, what we have recorded is that he is actually walking and talking and teaching and eating with his followers, with his disciples. The resurrected Jesus, the one who was killed, is now alive. And he's actually continuing to teach about his favorite thing ever. If you read the New Testament, you, you know his favorite thing to teach and preach on is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And that's what he goes to. He wants to make sure his followers get this. So for 40 days, this is what Jesus is doing with his followers. And then on the 40th day, what we have, and we, we, we learned this last week. Pastor Phil brought the message. Check it out online if you, if you missed. But, but Jesus ascends to heaven. And before he does, and that's in the witness. That's, that's, that's as his disciples are watching this happen. Jesus to go uh, to be with the Father in heaven. Jesus gives a very clear command to his followers. He says, wait in Jerusalem, pray until the Holy Spirit comes. So for 10 days now, these these followers, these committed followers are are gathered together, praying together, waiting for for this promise that Jesus has made to them. That the Spirit would come, that he would send his Spirit to to, to fill them. And that's where we pick things up. Acts chapter 2, here we go. It kicks off right here. It says, on the day of Pentecost, that's how we know it's been 50 days since Passover. Right there. There's the clue. This is another Jewish festival, another gathering, another, it's a, it's a springtime harvest festival. And it draws all kinds of crowds. All kinds of people make the pilgrimage into town. And, 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 and in its Greek form, it just means 50th. So, so not super creative. But Pentecost, 50 days after Passover. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. Again, I mentioned kind of this pilgrimage that takes place. A lot of people in town. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. I want to pause there and just, just mention a few things. One, there's this audible thing happening. It, it, it says there's this sound of like a, a mighty windstorm, rushing wind that fills this room. And then there's something visual that people see, and it's almost as if there's like fire raising, emanating from people's heads. I, I'm guessing it probably didn't look like Mar from Home Alone, although maybe that's what comes to mind. I, I, I don't think this was literal fire. I think there's a spiritual dynamic that's happening here as this presence of God falls upon people. And what it makes me think of as I just reflect on even those two things, kind of the wind and this fire, this flame, is it makes me think of in Genesis 2, you have God and it says he breathes into Adam, into Adam. He breathes into the nostrils of man and gives him life. I think this wind, I, I, I think somehow it's almost like, like the Spirit of God. God is breathing into the nostrils of the church, filling it with life. The fire that rests upon people. It makes me think of, of Exodus 3. You have Moses who's out tending the, to, to, tending the sheep, and he, and he sees this bush that's on fire, yet it's not being consumed. It's, it's like on fire, but not on fire. And it, and, it, and it draws him in, and, it, and he has this moment with the presence of God. Only God's not resting on plants. He's now resting on people. And so there's something happening here, clearly. And then people begin to speak in languages that they don't know, they didn't go to school for. These are intelligible languages. These are languages spoken in other regions, other parts of the world. And, 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 and it's at this time that, that people, they hear what's happening. I mean, there's not, not a way to hide this. And so crowds start to gather. What I want to encourage you to write down, if you're tracking along with the fill-ins, is is this, and we'll see Peter speak to this in a moment, that the Spirit is active in all people. The Spirit is active in all people. Those gathered in the upper room, these aren't like the religious elite. These are just followers of Jesus from the backwaters of Israel, up in the Galilee region, up north of Jerusalem. And it's, it's not just men, it's men and women. And, 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 and that is something that is very profound in this particular setting, in this context. That the Spirit is active in all people. And, and as we see, as we kind of continue to walk through Acts, we see just how profound of a reality this is. There's not a gender divide. There's not a nationality divide. There's not an educational divide. There's not a privilege divide. There's not a race divide. It's, it's the Spirit will fill who the Spirit will fill. Amen. That God is free to, to, to do what God wants to do. And that is what we see happening here at Pentecost, at this birth of the church. I want to continue reading now in verse 14, so I've skipped a little bit. And here's what's happened. So people have gathered. There's something going down. A loud, audible, windstorm, all these languages being spoken. People are gathering. They're hearing the languages that they speak. Again, they're from out of town, out of country. And if, if they've showed up here, and they're, they're trying to figure out, they're trying to make sense of all this. They know clearly these are people just from Galilee, which would be like saying, like, these are just normal folk. They're from, like, Spokane. You know, there's, like, nothing special about them. They're just, like, here, here they are. There's no way they know all these languages. That's impossible. And, and yet they do. And, and they're speaking it quite well, actually, even with the accents. Like, they got it down. And so people are like, oh, you know what? I bet they're drunk. I bet, I bet they're just totally toasted. They're just lit. Like, look at them. And so Peter addresses. Peter has a crowd now. Peter recognizes. Here, here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity. And so, he, and so here, here's what he says. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd. He's having to get everyone's attention. Everyone's chattering and stuff. I love what he addresses first. Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews. Residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. I wonder what the line is for Peter. Is like ten a.m. too early? Eleven a.m.? Noon? Like uh, I, I don't know. That doesn't matter. That's not. That's not. That doesn't matter. Verse sixteen. No. What you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. If you want to know how long, it's roughly 800 years. So this this, this promise was made a bit while back. And he reminds them. He He just has this memorized. He just totally goes off memory here. He says, in the last days, he's quoting from the book of Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon who? All people. All people. What you're, what you're witnessing is that reality. That's what Peter's saying. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy that the spirit will fill who the spirit will fill. National identity gender, color of your skin, income, education, worldview you were raised with, none of these are the markers of who the Spirit is limited to pour out upon. And the Holy Spirit equips this small group of believers with capacities during a circumstance that causes the good news to spread, like like taking a, a, a dried up dandelion and blowing on it, and it just goes everywhere throughout the entire Roman Empire. And it's this reality that's playing out. And it's the next point, if you want to fill this in, is that the Spirit equips people for mission. The Spirit is all about this. Giving gifts, imparting particular abilities or capacities or, or expertises in a way so that mission, so that God's work in the world can move forward. What I love is this. Check out this map. This is a map. When, when you go through, and, and it actually says, we skip the verses, it goes through all the different people that could hear their languages being spoken. Where they're written, you can see as far over as Rome, off to the left there, there were people from Rome in town. There were people from northern Africa in town. There were people from all over the Middle East, and the Stan countries are in town. It's a gathering of all people. So think of the strategy. I don't even know if that's a word. Think of how strategic. Think of how strategic the Spirit is. Waiting for the World Cup to happen, for an event. And then everyone goes home and takes the good news with them. It's amazing just what the Spirit's up to. Waiting. For an empire. The gospel moves on the backs of the empire, waiting for the system of Roman roads to kind of get settled out so that the gospel can move. Waiting for all this movement of commerce and trade so that the spirit and the good news can spread. The spirit's strategic. Even the Roman empire, which would wish to crush Christianity and finally rolls over, uh, but But even on the backs of that, the gospel moves and spreads. And here's what it leads to. After Peter delivers this message, he just gives them the gospel. He gives them the gospel. And then it says this in verse 40. It says, Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. So I'm only going like 28, 30 minutes here. Peter went a long time. Like he started at nine, he maybe didn't end until three, you know? Like he was going continued to preach for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized that day. Boom, baptized, dunked in the water. And added to the church that day, there it is, that day, about 3,000 in all. So double this, boom, church starts. People from all over the the map that we were just looking at. And they're prepared to take it back. The coolest thing, I think, and we mentioned this, that this movement's 2,000 years old. It is still happening, and so what I want to do, I want to invite up a friend, a mentor of mine, fellow pastor on the team, Pastor Lynn, so that she can share this reality of how this is playing out today, right now.
4: Yeah. Thanks. Isn't this exciting? I, I love, I love, love, love this passage. This is it, this is the birth of the church, the birth of Jesus's movement when he said, you will do greater things than I, I gotta, I gotta go to heaven. It wasn't about us as individuals, it was a collective, his body worldwide. Now I I recently Googled to go, how many churches are there worldwide? The problem is, is according to my good friend Google and other sources out there, they measure churches by buildings, right? So right now there's 37 million buildings and congregations meeting worldwide. But that is so small compared to what we know. What we know is because of the things that are happening around the world, most of the movement is happening in living rooms, in courtyards, on the beaches, under banana trees. People are gathered together in places where they might have to hide from the government that's trying to seek to oppress them. I've had gatherings I've been part of that have been on beaches, and there's one that I know of that Individual believers in this one country found each other in the supernatural way and they meet on a mountaintop once a month. They travel there many 8, 10, 15 hours to get to this location so they have a safe place to worship together as a body of believer. It's really impossible to know, but what we do know is God is moving. It's God's glory and his purposes that are being accomplished. So remember last week acts 1 8 if you're reading through acts and i would encourage you to track with us this summer even when you go on vacation read through the chapters and keep moving let let the spirit excite you for what he's doing but acts 1 8 says go and pray and when my spirit comes upon you you will be my witnesses and then jesus tells them the the different places they'll be the witnesses around the world right You will be my witnesses. It's not a command. It's actually a commission. It's a promise that we get to live into. And it is thrilling to be part of it. You know, first century Jerusalem, like Pat laid out, it was a gathering of people from every nation. And he equipped his people with a language they didn't speak. Think about that. I am only 8% proficient on Duolingo. For Spanish and some of you have been working on those Rosetta Stone and you know you still can't quite get out a full sentence, right? This this there wasn't any time to log in. It was the move of the spirit. And what I love about this passage is they declared the good works of God. That's what the NIV says. They declared the good works of God. And then it was Peter that preached. The the gathering of the believers, they weren't the ones that preached, it was Peter but they declared the good works of God. Friends, that is what we are to do. We go and show up in the least places, and the lost places, and we declare the good works of God, and the Spirit does the rest. Amen. That verse four, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. When you show up, the Spirit of God will do miraculous things. Our missionaries and partners, even teams witness miraculous moments all the time and then a lot of days of the everyday ordinary we're hearing about dreams and visions all over the muslim world where jesus is revealing himself and then people are coming to faith we're hearing stories where missionaries are out traveling and visiting and discipling people and they run out of gas in the middle of the night and there just so happens to be a liter gallon of gas sitting next to the roadside somewhere i mean it's just incredible living a life that's on the edge of allowing the spirit to empower us Uh, a few years ago actually is the first part of when i started working here i took a group of people to kenya to work with some ministry partners there this team had prepped for months on doing a sport camp for street kids so they were all ready with the sports equipment who was teaching who what you know very hands-on servant-oriented people and um i sent them on ahead i had to meet with some partners first they showed up the first day to pull their gear out of the bag and the pastor said oh wait first we're going to go to the local country hospital and you need to pray over all the sick people and pray for god's miraculous healing on them and they're all standing there a little in shell shock (laughs) going what wait what we didn't prepare for this in our training yeah that's what happens when you go out you know god shows up and does something different So they were flexible. They went, they followed the pastor there. They were terrified because many of them had never prayed out loud. And for sure, many had not prayed for supernatural healing to fall on people. And they're going, I'm not sure I have that spiritual gift of healing. But they faithfully went room by room, laid hands on people, prayed over them. Then they came back. I showed up the next morning. They were really ticked at me. Lynn, why didn't you tell us this was gonna happen? I'm like, i don't know. I didn't know it was gonna happen either. So they start getting ready for their sport camp. They're pulling out sport gear out of the, out of the duffel bags, and just as we're ready to launch, the pastor comes running up going, Mzungu, Mzungu, which means white people in Swahili. Um, Mzungu, <laughs> the Lord has heard your prayers. Every person this morning woke up feeling better and healed. They've been released. <laughs> oh, I know, praise God. We were were in awe, going, really? Wait, what? What just happened? Because God equips his people supernaturally. And when we step into spaces and just say, okay, Jesus, use me, he will equip you for what you have no idea you can do. The other way God empowers people is through faithfulness. of a believer being faithful in their own church. You guys, this is the church. It's not about a building, it's the people. And as the New Testament talks about the ecclesia, it's a gathering of people. The root word is about people, not a building, not a structure. So God's people being faithful and showing up, and I'm always blown away that the maker of this universe doesn't just pursue us for relationship, He invites us into his purposes. He's got incredible uh, purposes in this world for his church to be light in the dark world. And individually, you matter to this collective, to this local church. I just arrived back from meeting up with partners in Spain and North Africa. I was actually following up after Pastor Laura just led a multi-church team into a country we're not gonna name because we're live streaming right now. She took physical therapists and a pediatrician. We had been partnering with this incredible um, Latina woman who is from a country in Latin America that's having its own issues. All of her support has dried up from that country because the government won't allow any money to come out. Our church several years ago came in, we picked her up as as a missionary, as a worker. She literally is living on a shoestring, literally. And she has been faithful in this region of North Africa to care for the disproportionate amount of disabled children. There's so many that are experiencing birth traumas and from high diabetes rates in this nation and some other issues. And they have absolutely no resources. So children with cerebral palsy are languishing in back dark rooms. And so here our friend shows up with um, bringing in professionals and teams working out contracts with the government and has launched basically, I I think we're at about seven different disability centers across this region where there's no resources. And I haven't had a chance to be down there. We've had other pastors and leaders that have taken the teams, but Pastor Laura just said, please tell them how incredible this is. She goes, I'm so proud of our church that we've gotten to be part of this. And really it's God's glory that we were part of something that's multiplied. This woman is so filled with the Holy Spirit and so gifted and so passionate, everywhere she goes, people respond to the good news message. Everywhere she's landed for a period of time, there are churches meeting together. Now, they don't have a building. They're meeting off in a special corner somewhere in the city because this is a nation that's trying to suppress anything of Jesus. But she is light and life in this place. This team did so amazing as they went down there. Last year, this woman actually moved out of country because resources had dried up. It seemed like things were kind of, the the trail of things were kind of slowing down. A lot of missionaries had been kicked out of this country over the last few years. But we had decided to send this team to just encourage the the national workers that were down, down there doing some training. But right before the team arrived, This woman felt like the Spirit was telling her that she needed to consider opening new work down down in this new area, and she's like, oh, she begged and pleaded with the Lord because she really didn't want to do it. She says, it's just desolate. There's not a lot of resources. It feels heavy and hard, but the Lord kept prompting her. What happened was is when our team showed up, with the tool of their vocation, with their heart of love and care, with their spiritual gifts, they heard these responses from the mothers and fathers who were crying and hugging them. You have brought us so much light. They don't know about the light. Why are you here? No one shows us love like this. Is this what true love is? They don't know who the love is. You noticed us. There's something different about you. Why are you here? And I feel such hope. Over and over again at the three different locations they landed, they heard these same phrases. Friends, where it is dark and we show up and the Spirit of God moves, light illuminates. It brightens up. It encourages people's heart. And the fire and the light and the wind move and it's God moving. This short-term team was faithful, and they just showed up, and God used them in a great way. I try to say this every time I'm on the platform, um, and any chance I get, you matter. And I know some of you are faithful, coming all the time, invested in ministry, faithfully giving. For those of you who feel like, oh, it's a big church, I just show up and be in the corner. I want to say you matter and I want to encourage you to step out of the corner into the light of this ministry, this fellowship because your faithfulness in coming and in giving, the giving empowers the work of things all over the world, all over our community. I haven't seen a church like ours who invests the, the amount of money it does in local and international efforts. And I'm so proud to be one of you guys participating in this. You matter in this place. Your faithful giving supports, your investment in ministry puts the hands and feet in our community and our world. Collectively as a body, we have greater impact than any one individual can have. Thanks for letting me share. Pat, come back up and close us out.
3: I think I could listen to stories with Lynn all day. Like, it's amazing. It is amazing. Yeah, let's clap again. Yeah. I, I, I just want to land with one, one final point, and, 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 and I'd be remiss to not actually camp out at least briefly as to where this chapter ends. Uh, I, I feel like telling someone to preach on Acts 2 in, in, in just 30 minutes is like totally unfair. There's so much going on here. Uh, but but this is so important, because this is, if we get this, I think we really start to see things begin to move. And so the fill ins this, if you're tracking. It's just that the Spirit creates a new community. A new community. What we see happen here, uh, and, and this isn't theologically airtight, so so grace, but here's how I envision it. Uh, m- maybe it's because my world just gets blown up on, on the Facebook news feed of, like, gender reveals. You know, people are cutting cupcakes and blue beads fall out, or there's, like, balloons coming out of boxes, or, you know, airplanes across the sky that are, like, leaving, like, pink smoke trails, like, like, there's it, it, so many of these, like, big announcements and stuff, it, it's like the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are, like, they're saying, we're not having a son, we're not having a, a, a daughter, we're having a, we're, we're, we're having a new community, we're having a church, we're, have, we're having a whole bunch of people, like, that's, I know, it's not airtight, but, 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 that's kind of what's happening here. There's, there's a new way to live by. It's people that are so overcome by the way of Jesus that they live into this kingdom that he's preached about. And here's what we see. Or let, let, me, let me actually m- mention this. Is, 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 this is not a move of the Spirit where it's all about making people same. Where it's all about eliminating differences and we'll just kind of come out of the Spirit factory and we all just look like monochromatic and homogenous and just everything's one. It's, it's different than that. It's different than that. It's this distinctively diverse and yet harmoniously unified body. I love this. I came across this. It's a a professor over at Luther University Seminary, and he says it this way. Matthew Skinner says it this way. I love it. He says, the ligaments of the Holy Spirit hold together many kinds of people, not by stripping away their differences, but by welcoming and valuing them. The setting in which the Spirit bursts onto the scene and the ways in which the Spirit makes its presence known through multiple languages reveal that the good news will not belong to one kind of people. No single cultural framework or uniform mode of expression can finally define the gospel or establish a core Christian culture. The church's core is Christ and nothing else. What's so cool is we, here at Overlake, we're having a Pentecost-type moment. At last count, we have 43 different countries represented as a part of the Overlake family. 47 different languages. As as you come in, the the, kind of the front doors off on your left, you'll see a wall with the different languages there. Say welcome. If you speak a language that isn't there, let us know. We want to add it. But those are the languages. Each of those are languages spoken here at Overlake. There's something happening. There's a gathering of the nations here in our area. And I really think the Spirit wants to equip for mission. I really think it's not just so we can have a holy huddle once a week. I think the work is out there. And I love, I love how Eugene Peterson polishes this this chapter off in his paraphrase, the message. Here's what he writes starting in verse 43 as to what this community looked like. How it could be described. It says this Everyone around was in awe, all those wonders and signs done through the apostles. And all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful. As they praise God. People in general liked what they saw. I love that. Cir- circle that. I just love that. Every day their number grew as God added those who were saved. Here's, here's what we're called to do. is just be the church. It's irresistible. Pe- people love it. If we just do what we've been asked to do, people, they, they may not get it. I mean, the narrative that we believe is, is a little crazy, I'll admit. A dead man came back to life. It's only happened once, a resurrected man. Lazarus even ended up dying again, you know? Like, it's a, it's a bit of a crazy narrative, but when people see how we live, how we treat one another... Watch us breaking bread, looking at the reconciliation amongst nationalities and races and economic divides. When they, when they see us together, there's just something. People are like, I, I don't know if I get it, but I like what I see. I just, in general, I like it. I, 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 I don't know. I don't, I don't know about everything else. But, but man, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll just start to spend a little more time with them. It was really fun. Last night, I, I had dinner uh, with, with some Overlakers up on a rooftop in Kirkland. It was so great, except for my, my little boy was there, and he was running around like crazy, and so I had to kind of keep an eye on him. But, but it was so fun. There was like about half of us were Overlakers, half of them were, were just people that this, this couple had invited, friends, neighbors. And, and it was so fun because church just naturally ended up coming up. And it was so fun just to almost see this in action. They just kind of kept asking questions of curiosity like, oh, whoa. Your church does that too? Or you guys actually care about that? Or you're actually like, whoa, you guys, are, you guys actually do things. Like, and it, it was so cool because people, they, they like what they see when the church is the church. So what could this look like for you this summer? Wh- wh- which person, which family should you invite over to just have a meal? And you don't, you don't have to fill out the connection card. You just actually invite them. You, you, you meet them face to face. You exchange numbers, whatever it is. But, but we start to live this out. We start to flesh this out. Maybe as the park parties come and you meet some people at the park party, coming out of that, you actually take things to the next level of actually uh, connecting, getting a coffee or something else. But, but this is countercultural now. This has gone away. We've become so busy that the, the church hasn't really been the church. And it's irresistible when we are. And there's a couple things in play that we see the church doing. Is one, they're incredibly generous. They're giving away. They're selling. They're liquidating assets to meet needs of people within the community. And then they're radically hospitable. If generosity is giving away something that you had, hospitality is sharing something you have. It's this. It's this act of it's still maybe in my care and ownership, but I actually treat it like it's not my own. It's ours. What if we did this? And and this is and I'm willing to make the rubber hit the road personally. I, I would never ask you guys to do something I wouldn't do personally. So here is a picture of a 1998 Honda Civic. If you have need of needing to borrow a car ever, we have two cars. We have two cars. You can borrow the Honda. You can't borrow the kid, Sailor. Sailor, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I'm on stage, I'm at a church, I should be honest. Sailor is covering the fact there's no hub cup on the, on the, on the front, front wheel there, I know, I know, right? I gave it away, but I mean, actually, no, I should say this, if you wanna borrow Sailor for a few hours, by all means, by all means. What's ours is yours, but, uh, but ser- seriously, I mean this, my email's up there, if, if your car's in the shop and you got no options, let me know, hit me up. It's yours, it's ours. If you've got family in town, instead of them wasting all this money on, like, having to take an Uber everywhere or the rental car costs, hit me up. Like, we should figure this out. And think how many resources we have in this room. The redundancy of our lives blows my mind. And that's what individualism, that's what independence has driven us to. The church is interdependent. The church is open-handed. The church is generous. So we get to live into this. And when people see that, what's it say? Did it say something like, and every day their number grew as God added those who were saved? It wasn't just like an Easter service, Christmas Eve service, every once in a while, maybe on a Sunday morning. It was an everyday thing. This is the invitation. This is the invitation as we get to be the church that we see birthed in Acts because we are part of that same community. Overlake, would you stand with me? We're going to respond in worship, and, and I'd love to just pray over us, that this would be sealed, that, that the Spirit would even be on the move as to, what would the Spirit be inviting you in particular to do coming out of this? What is it to share? What is it to give away? Who is it to invite over? Maybe what radical act is the Spirit inviting you to do to maybe pray for someone or do something that's outside your comfort zone? If there's 1,500 people in here, there's 1,500 different ways that the Spirit would be on the move. Let's pray. Lord, we just give you our lives, our time, our resources, everything we have. We are all in. We believe this. We believe it. So help us to live it. It It's hard. I know we get mixed messages, and we live in a culture that values things that you don't. And so help us discern which things are of you and which things to just leave behind. But we just want to worship you, tell you how much we love you. And and, and then, Spirit, just just move. Just speak. Just just reveal to us what it is that you would be inviting us into. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
2: where freedom reigns we want to be a people full of grace. we want to be sheltered where the broken Be like, all I am coming, but really believe it, all as I am coming, as we are, as we are, for our God is near, every heart may Just before
4: I was so caught up in it, I forgot I was supposed to come up. We're going to continue on in the giving of our gifts and tithes and offerings. Go ahead and have a seat, and we are going to continue that worship. So as the ushers come forward, you get to hear another story, and I'm going to call up my friend Carly. So ushers, why don't you come forward? I want to remind you of dropping that card in the offering buckets, and again, if you're new here, take it out to the Connection Center. Carly Ronke is, let's welcome her. You don't even know her yet. She literally was born in this church, well, or maybe at a local hospital, but then she came after week one, probably, because her parents, who are still members here at Overlake, or she is a kid who grew up in this ministry and got a passion for missions and started doing teens and then met this handsome young man in Italy who was the son of one of our ministry partners and then they married and now they're serving out of Europe, focused on North Africa. So I want you to hear from Carly a couple of her stories of serving on the field.
5: Thank you so much. It's so great to be here this morning, especially just hearing the message and um, talking through Acts 2, what a great fit for what God is doing. I just wanted to start with the verse that I'm sure all of you know when, um, in Matthew 9:37, when Jesus says to his disciples that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So that's what our ministry is about. We are working to send more, uh, more laborers out into the harvest. And right now, which is really exciting to me, we have seven workers, full-time workers on the field. We have 13 who are in the training program getting ready to go long-term. And we have three teams going out this summer. And that's just so exciting to me because we are being able to be a part of Jesus' concern that the laborers are few. And if I could, I'd just love to share two stories from two of our workers um, that are on the field right now. And one of these workers is Davide. And he's been on the field for about a year and a half now. And he's in an area of the world, um, which I won't share right now, um, but he's in an area of the world that's very volatile. There's often a lot of fighting, um, but the need is really great where he's at. And he responded to go there because he knew the need was great and the workers were few. And this winter, fighting broke out where he's serving, and there was fighting near where he's serving, and so we've been talking to him and to his team, and we've just been saying, David, how are you doing? Are you are you okay? Do you need to come out for a while? Are you afraid? What you know? Update us. What's going on? And he said, no, I, I want to stay. I want to stay until I'm forced to leave because he believed not only the words uh, of Jesus that the laborers are few, but also his words in in Matthew 4, in John 435 when he said you say four months and then the harvest is ready I tell you lift up your eyes the fields are white for harvest the harvest is white or another version says It's ripe and he believed that and he said no the harvest is ripe I'm gonna stay because these people are ready. They're looking for hope They want a savior and he's had so many opportunities during the fighting and the conflict that's been going on to share the gospel And the story of one more worker, whose name is Marta, and she's been serving in the Middle East for about a year now. And um, she told us a story of this winter, she met a girl named Hannah. And um, after she met Hannah, Hannah was writing her consistently for a week and asking her over and over, can we please meet, I just really want to talk to you. And so Marta agreed to meet with her, and the very first thing she said, as soon as she met with Marta is, I am looking for the way, the truth, and the life. I prayed and asked God to show me the light. I don't believe in religion. I'm looking for relationship. Can you help me? And I know, (laughs) I know. And Marta got tears in her eyes and was emotional. And she was able just to open the Bible and show her the verses where Jesus says he's those very things. And the very next week, um, Hannah called Marta and she said, I'm having really bad problems with my knee, I need to have surgery, I'm really worried, I don't know what to do. And Marta said, let's pray in the name of Jesus for your knee. And so she met with her and she prayed in the name of Jesus that he would heal her knee, and he did. He healed her knee miraculously, she didn't have to have surgery. And now is meeting regularly, weekly with Marta and they're going through Bible study together. Um, Yeah, praise the Lord, it's exciting. Praise the Lord. So, I think we, we hear or we know maybe that the harvest is plentiful, right? We know that maybe Lynn has shared or you've heard that there's over 6,000 unreached people groups still and only 3% of missionaries serve among the unreached, um, but do we believe that it's ripe? Right? Do we believe that the harvests are white? Because I think when we believe that it's, that it's white, that it's ripe, right, it creates a sort of urgency in us to share the gospel. and I think it's a choice. It's a choice to believe Jesus' words, to believe what he said, because maybe when we look around us, it doesn't feel so right. It feels like the world is a little hostile even towards us and towards the gospel. Um, But we read in Matthew that Jesus said, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so we pray that God would fill our hearts with compassion and we work to send more workers out into the field and we um, help those workers get where they need to go and to serve those who need the gospel the most.
4: It's It's very, very special to be able to hear from some of our workers on the field. We don't always get a chance to do this, but thank you for listening to the stories this morning. I hope that you are compelled. Remember that the Lord gave them, equipped them for telling the wonderful works of God. And so may we, as people this week, be willing to tell somebody in our life the wonderful works of God. Because we have no idea what the Spirit's already doing in their life, right? We're just responsible for telling and sharing. May we be willing to do that, even in our midst, even in our community. When we stand up together, as we end our service and have some lingering time out there in the front, um, We want to use our blessing time as a way to pray over uh, Carly and Gianluca and their family, and as well as blessing the other works and God's movement around the world. So may we lift that up. And holy God, we just thank you. We thank you for fire and wind. We thank you that you bring noise and movement and refreshment and power and push. And so may we be your people who say yes this morning. Yes to declaring your good works this week. And I pray that on us as a church and may your fire and wind flow over us and empower us and equip us. And Father, I pray for your blessing and your mercy over the Ronke family. God, would you just minister to them? Would you empower their ministry? Lord, it is significant that in this very small nation, there is no mission movement except for what's happening out of their work. And we thank you for the little fruit that's there. And we pray that you would multiply it, that you would provide the resources, that you would raise up the leaders, that you would send the workers to those very ripe harvest fields. We thank you for the workers she mentioned. Encourage them today in what they're facing day to day. We pray for our other missionary that we mentioned this morning, that as she is working in North Africa, that you would empower and strengthen her, that you would provide the resources she needs to stay and to continue the work that you've began. Father, we thank you for the partnerships that we have around the globe. We pray for your glory to be known. Father, would you make yourself known among those who are yet to hear that you, Jesus, are the the way, the truth, and the life. May they come to the Father and know and see and have blessing on their life and fruit of your love and join in on your mission to go and make disciples of all people. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus, amen. So great to be with you this morning. Look forward to seeing you next week. That's right, good, good stories, clap. <laughs>